0: Hello. Welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. This is episode 30. Is that right, Chris?
1: I believe it is. Yeah. Um, we've managed to get up there somehow. Um, yeah, I, th- I think because I've stopped naming the, the episodes on the website, but I'm pretty confident we're up to number 30 now. How's nice. it going, man?
0: Yeah, good. Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm off on leave now for a good week or so from work. So spirits,
1: spirits are high oh lovely lovely yeah. um got much to get into today or um couple of things here and there just i guess like some mu- new music that's come out over the last couple of weeks because it's been a couple of weeks since we put out an episode you're gonna um, want to talk about the new um the new blink blink stuff I guess. yeah definitely want to go over that um before that, I'm just going to go back maybe a week before that. But like this, this one was of particular interest to you and me because it's a, a band that we're both a long, we're both time fans of. But uh, Mest finally put out some new stuff, or yeah. a, a new song, uh, which is the first song with the original four um, four members of the band. Um,
0: so that's ahead of um, ahead of a, f- a full length release, right?
1: Yes, yeah, they they recorded it with Cameron Webb last year, I think, and it was originally coming out on El Jefe from No label, and that but then they ended up going the Kickstarter route in the end. So they they had the big campaign, managed to get that funded, and they haven't. And I don't think they put a release date out, but um, they finally put out the first song. Um, what did you think of it?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, it was solid, solid enough. I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't too inspired, but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> right, very, okay. it's very, I, you know, it's, I mean, it's e- easy enough to listen to. I enjoyed it, but didn't really stand out as, you know, the, the mess that we all know and love from, from days yeah. of old. Um, yeah, do you know what? I think it's more recent, m- re- recent mess than more kind of, yeah. OG must <laughs> you
1: know <what> I mean? <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say recent because, um, the last album they did is, as with the original lineup was in 2005, I think. Um, and it, w- what it sounded like to me was like one of the strong, it, it could have been one of the stronger songs off that album. It had yeah. a similar kind of, yeah. similar kind of sound, similar kind of lyrics. Um, you know, I really, I, I like it. Uh, I'm really pleased they're back and, I've listened to that song a lot over the last few weeks, but yeah, I agree with you. I'm maybe not as into it as as you know those the the, the OG sounds that you, that you're referring to. Um, so, when, so
0: when's that? When's that full length out? Do you know? Was it the, the, set a date the, for it? I don't
1: think, I don't, to my knowledge, they haven't they haven't said anything. So. Okay,
0: but we've got um, we've got Tony Tony Lovato on the on the podcast soon, haven't we? So. Yeah,
1: yeah. We should we are supposed to be talking to him, so hopefully we can get get some. Some information on that out from him, and obviously we'll we'll get into talking about this song and all things messed with him in further detail. Um, another thing I was listening to, um, bit bit sort of left field for me, but was uh, Machine Gun Kelly's album. Do you know? Do you listen to Machine Gun Kelly at all?
0: Um, not a great deal. I did really enjoy the um, the song he did with Young Blood and and Travis Barker. And Travis. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was uh, I thought it was awesome. Is that on? Is that on that?
1: That's it's on the, the album, so yeah. yeah, it was via that that sort of directed me to him. I I wouldn't kind usually of, bother with with someone
0: like Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I kind of half pay attention to him because that it was Bench and Joel Madden were the, the people who first like brought him to the limelight, and they did a song with him in 2011, which was was quite a good song. Um, I'm not the kind of music I'd normally listen to, but you know, I I was fairly into it. But um, yeah, like you say, that song with Young Blood and Travis Barker, which was done by Saxofini, yeah, obviously former former guest of this show. Um, oh, <laughs> it was right, really, r- really strong song, I thought. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, no, no, I've had it on a few times.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what's, the, what's nothing on nothing on the album that comes close to that, in my opinion? Okay. Um, yeah. And see, I'm just not a hip hop guy, and like I'm, I try and I'm, I was trying, I wanted to like it. Uh, the couple of songs that were—he's got some clever lyrics, and he just raps so fast. You just like, how does he do that? But ultimately, it's not really my kind of thing. You know, I was into that song with Travis and Young Blood because that's—it's basically a pop punk song, isn't it? You know, sort of with a bit of rapping in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you haven't got any Tupac or or you know Biggie Smalls T-shirts sitting on the bottom of your your, your drawers, have you?
1: I have. I have not. <laughs> no, no I, I haven't got any surprises like that. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. No, we'll probably pass that one by then. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, New Blink, New Blink um, record being
1: kind yeah, of semi-announced
0: so and kind of previews ar- around that.
1: Yeah, so we've got, the the album's called Nine. The reason it's called Nine is that um, they're counting it as their ninth full length, and in that they're, they're counting Buddha, which was... You know, a lot of people never counted it as an album because it's sort of like demos and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But but like, I don't know if you saw Mark Hopper's explanation. He was like, some people count Buddha, butter, butter. Some people count Mark Tom and Travis Show. Some people count Dogs Eating Dogs. So we we've just decided to count Buddha, So this is our ninth album. Um, cool. So yeah, so we got the artwork. We've got a release date, September twentieth, and we now have four songs they've released from it.
0: Four. Uh, the the first. For- Travis- Full the, with full songs,
1: uh, no four four songs. Yeah, okay. So Is we've that, had. I haven't. I've on.
0: heard. Well, what was the first one they re- released? That, that Blame one? it on that's, my youth. Yeah, I love that one. But I've only heard kind of previews of of the others. Oh, Okay, have they actually no, no, released no, no, the you, full the full tracks?
1: Yeah, they've released like okay. four singles, and like there was "Blame It on My Youth," which I thought you weren't that into, and then it was the, the fast punk one, "Generational Divide." Ah, that's right. That yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, that it's only a that's only a forty five second song, so yeah, okay, cool. And then since then, you've had Happy Days and most recently Dark Side. Okay, um, I haven't particularly loved any of the songs until uh, Dark Side, which is the most recent one.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, li- I like Dark Side. Yeah, it's good, good. Yeah, it's song.
1: cool. It's like it feels like traditional Blink, you know, in a good way. Yeah, oh, I, think, be. I
0: think. Should be a good one. Looking
1: forward to hearing that. Yeah, game. yeah, get, cool. get, gets me really curious and looking forward to the album. So yeah, should be Where, When should be and good.
0: when? When's that landed?
1: September twentieth. Nice. So a little while away still.
0: Well, yeah, I suppose so. About six, six, seven, eight
1: weeks. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anything else? Uh, no, I think those were the main things. Um, and, oh another little shout out to max collins uh recent guest really cool guy his band fitness put out a new song called yellow jackets which is a really clever song i think i'd recommend checking that out
0: yeah i've yeah i give that a listen i saw you posted it on our um on our instagram
1: yeah always happy uh, to yeah, to promote know. his stuff any um, any
0: any give a thumbs up to my cover of, of promise as well oh That's yes
1: so nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah N- nice job with that by the way yeah. <laughs> i did uh, ju- yeah i'll t- Go on, sorry.
0: I did try and yeah, try a few previous guests' um, songs, well, cover songs, and oh yeah, yeah, that was that one was the only only one that came out that was remotely shareable. So <laughs> okay, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep working on that anyway. Keep see. working
1: on it, yeah, yeah. It'd be, I'd love to hear some other ones, definitely. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, with with all that said, should we dive into today's episode?
0: Yeah, we can do. Um. So last, last week, what was last week?
1: Uh, I believe it was fortnight ago. Okay. A couple of weeks ago. Weeks.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we had, um, Tom May of the Menzingers, um, on our podcast. So, uh, yeah, we got into all things, um, kind of upcoming tour, upcoming releases and general, I guess, experiences within the music industry and his kind of upbringing in music. Um,
1: so yeah, here it is okay uh so we are joined by tom may of the legendary punk band the men singers how's it going tom Hello. hey
2: thank you for the uh salutation there
1: you go. <laughs> you, you, yeah you, man, i think i think it's i think it's well earned
0: <laughs> <Yeah>, thanks
1: <laughs> so you're, you're you're
0: getting ready to go out on tour now tom is that, is that right you've got some festivals and tour tour upcoming <laughs>
2: Yeah, we leave in two days, actually. Uh, it's been a while that, since we've been on tour. We've been writing and recording a new record, which we actually announced and released the first single today. Uh, the record's called Hello Exile. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. It's, uh, we've been sitting on it for a long time, so it's always uh, you know, a giant explosion, uh, an end to the anticipation when we can finally finally share it with everybody.
1: And you put out the song uh, single Anna today as well, uh, video as well. Um, yeah. It's a super catchy song, by the way. Um, hey, thank my- you. My girlfriend who knows nothing about your band heard it just before and she was like, Fuck, this is really, this is really good, you know. It's no, not awesome. often she'll say that about music I listen to. So uh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's amazing. A compliment.
2: That's always like the best compliment, uh, because you know, she clearly doesn't have like a nostalgic connection to any of our older stuff or has like a, a preconceived exactly. notion of what's coming in and then yeah. If somebody likes it, that's what that's what we we always a good song. It's always funny to share a record with family members and like some of the songs that aren't meant to be singles and stuff, they'll be like, no, I really like that one in particular. And you try to figure out why they like that, you know, this slow pirate song or whatever. It's like, a, yeah, it's always yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, because I suppose like, you know, when someone's listening to something as a fan and obviously you have a lot of diehard fans, you know, they wa- you want to like it, don't you? So it's it's always kind of cool to hear it from someone from a completely unbiased outside perspective and and for them to like it. So, yeah, that's yeah cool. absolutely. Yeah.
0: So so, so are you going to be playing quite a bit of the new stuff on, on the upcoming tour? Or? On
2: this tour that we're starting, uh, in two days, we're just going to play that song, Anna. Maybe we'll play some of the other songs um, uh, on nights where we're feeling it, but usually we'll just play... I mean, we haven't really rehearsed the other songs really hard in the last couple of weeks, so <laughs> we'll probably keep playing them during sound checks
0: so, and stuff. So what does your kind of pre-tour routine look like then? Uh, at the moment, obviously, you got a bit of well, downtime, or is you just kind of just ch- chill out and relax or...
2: Uh, it's usually a hurry up and wait situation, but then forget shit anyway. So uh, like today I made a list of everything I got to pack. I uh, started chasing things down, figuring out like last minute supplies that we need to get. And then the last, you know, 12 hours before we leave is kind of just like sitting around waiting for people to land from the flights and that kind of shit. And then, yeah. it's always, it's always a little weird because you don't want to just, uh, it's like when you leave your house and you feel like, oh shit, maybe I'll have the stove on or, or, or something like that there's just that little creeping dread feeling
1: the entire time, except you're going to be gone for, you know, four weeks. <laughs> yeah, sure. And is it, um, are you playing like a festival on, on Thursday first before the tour kicks in? Yeah, we're going to Long
2: Island and playing a festival at Tig Mac Sunday. Um, some other bands, such as, I think is like, a great way to kick it off because we put we'll be playing a live set and we'll be getting ready and getting back into the groove but it's not it doesn't carry the same uh responsibility as like a headline show for lack of a better term responsibility it's like we're gonna play a shorter set not everybody's there to see us it's kind of Of course, know, yeah i don't want to say there's less at stake but it's like a good nice little ease into it all
1: nice and then, then tour kicks off on friday
2: uh th- yeah and then the headline first kicks off on friday and there's another there's like one or two other festivals in there as well we're playing a. Uh, uh, festival in Montreal and one in uh, Rhode Island.
1: Okay, nice. Do, Sorry, do, Nick, do, were you going to say Yeah,
0: just. Do you, I mean, do you prefer festivals to your, your kind of headline kind of venue shows or?
2: Uh, no, I, I prefer playing headline. Sh- if I had to pick one, I'd play prefer playing headline shows. You know, they're kind of, it's kind of two different beasts, even though you're essentially doing the same thing, playing music. It's just uh, the headline shows are are really curated by us and kind of. Um, it's more of a you know connection to the people that came as where a festival once in a while you could play a festival and people will and it doesn't happen to us so often these days but it used to be like a kind of touch and go situation where you could be playing a fe- uh, set at one thirty in the afternoon and since it's a one off festival all the logistics are all over the place and there's not as many people uh, in the doors and like that kind of yeah all that kind of crazy shit but festivals I will say are great especially the European ones because we've run into so many friends at them. Yeah. uh so many bands that we've been touring with for so many years it's just like a great way to to hang out and catch up
0: so, so i actually i actually caught you at um at slam dunk slam dunk in leeds this year in the pissing oh, rain so but but yeah, yeah people's <laughs> we're, i guess we're a bit more geared up for for the weather at festivals uh, over here like that so yeah i think so yeah.
2: maybe in the jeans, just a couple <laughs> yeah. you know a couple dozen generations of being in a rainy field we'll get it going but yeah, that was definitely by far the most wet show that we've ever played. There's like a quarter inch of water on the stage.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> was that yeah. was that your first time playing Slam Dunk?
2: It was. It was our first time playing Slam Dunk. Yeah, um, we I had uh, really had some scheduling shit that didn't work out previous years, and oh, uh, okay. we were really excited to play it. Though those people, everybody running it, was incredible. The bands were awesome. It was, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful festival.
1: Yeah. It's a it's a nice lineup because it's kind of anyone who's into this sort of genre of music and then it, it tackles all genres within that genre, if that makes sense. So
2: totally. Yeah. It's a much less pigeonholed. It's just like Yeah, know, yeah. This is the
1: alternative no, music. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um I, I was just gonna ask you a quick um apologies, slightly personal question, but I feel sure. that I can ask it because you were talking about this on your own podcast recently. Um uh in terms of like um Like drinking on tour, like I I was just curious because you said like you're just having a couple of months off the booze and stuff. Like, what's what is that? Is does it feel weird to go on tour and not drink, or is it is that something you've done before? And or uh, you know, does does that not affect it? Like, you know, what's the deal with that?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked me about it. Man, it's great. So this time uh, I went. Actually, the last place that I drank was in was in London. We went to 13 pubs, me and uh, Roger, my friend. Dave uh, oh, nice, March nice. and uh, James Hole, who I know you've, whom I know you ha- had on the podcast, oh. and uh, Giles Bitter. Not yeah. sure if you had him on there, but it was us.
1: We've yeah, we've we've had Giles as well. Oh, nice, that's yeah. Cool. It was us five, well, what, just like blasting yeah. around
2: London. It was great.
1: That sounds fun. What 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 area were you in?
2: Uh, we were in. You know, this is uh, I'm, my mind is not ripping set right now. We did go to Camden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. F- for the middle of it all. But yeah, we went to Soho for one or two drinks. Actually, that was the night before. My apologies. But we ended up okay. in uh, uh, in East London, starting and ending. And the place that we ended at was a a place that used to have shows. And we took a shot of sambuca, and that was that was, that was it for the last uh, ninety days. <laughs> it's actually day eighty or eighty one, I think. Yeah, it's been. It's oh
1: been, wow! Been okay. A trip. Oh, so, so you're quite 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 far through it. Yeah, I, I thought your your podcast episode on that was really interesting. That's why I just wanted to. Yeah, just ask you about it. Yeah, I'm, I really like, appreciate
2: listening. And I really cool appreciate cool you center. thinking about it. It's funny, of all the podcast episodes I've done, I've talked to more friends, old friends, and uh, uh, people who are fans of our band about that episode than any of the other ones. And kind of, it, it, yeah. it seemed to resonate with a lot of people, especially I think that we're getting to this age where re examination of, uh, of the, the habits. Of the 20s is kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I uh, was able to drink this much, but now I'm old, so I get two day hangovers, <laughs> or you know, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not where I want to be, or or, or yeah, there's 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 so many things I could say about this. We I did do a tour one time where I didn't drink. I did I had a pact with our drummer, and we didn't drink for like 40 days, and then on the yeah. last day of the tour, I got shit faced in Nashville. It was <laughs> so much fun. I probably drank, you know, like nine Guinness and just and went for it. Um, yeah. But this time around, it, it, was bit, it was very interesting in that the first 20 or 30 days of the sobriety thing, and maybe c- because it coincided with the weather, and maybe because we went to Brazil and Spain for the first time and had a, a quick like one-week-long tour, um, there was almost a mania that ensued. It was like a, a manic uh, uh, explosion of, of happiness and productivity. And then after that 30 days, just a smash yeah. right in the face of everything that was, uh, I guess, leading me to drink so much in the first place uh and that kind of like in it itself is kind of petering out now and i'm actually thinking about just not drinking again so there's 90 days that come up in like a week or two i think i'm just gonna keep it
1: rolling oh nice man nice. yeah it's
2: weird it's definitely weird on tour to answer your original question is that you get to a yeah. place at 5:30, 30 uh, well you get to a place at like one in the afternoon but 5:30 rolls yeah. around and then just put out two cases of beer and a couple and a bottle of whiskey and you're like all right well this is what i'm expected to do now <laughs>
1: Sure. So it's like,
2: sure. <laughs> yeah, it can get it can get wild pretty quick.
1: Yeah, no, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love that you mentioned James Hall as well. Just on a real quick side note, like, I think um, we've had lots of cool guests, but maybe one of my favorite episodes we've done was w- with him because he's he he's just good company. I love that guy.
2: Yeah, he absolutely is. I need to listen to that. Of all the people I've run into in this life and have experienced with and sat around with nobody makes me like brings out the like uh i guess the the wit and and like um yeah i don't know good talking like james hall does i always feel so comfortable just hanging out after yeah you know 30 seconds go by and next thing you're back at it like you were <laughs> the year before it's perfect <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know
1: anything like as well as you do but from the mm. times i've hung out with him i can relate to that completely and I, like real uh real quick story on that like um and it's funny, because on the subject of drinking as well, like, I've been out drinking with my buddy a few months ago uh, on a Saturday night, and I came home, my girlfriend comes back, and like she sees me, like, passed out on the couch, listening to my own podcast, and it's like an episode three years ago, and it was the James <laughs> Hole one, and I was just, like, trying to justify it, like, oh, but this is a really good one. Yeah, That's hilarious. Point, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, I can't say I haven't done the same thing with my own music and with my <laughs> okay. girlfriend as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's when when you, when you're in the mending is. I think that's understandable doing that with your own music. But anyway, uh, Nick, should we should we kind of take this in the direction we normally do, and uh, uh, we can ask Tom about. Take take, take um. Do you want to lead this one, or are you happy for me to?
0: Well, yeah, I guess we kinda just go go back to the start a little bit in terms of um with our guests in terms of how they got into music and um, you know, what the influences kinda growing up and, and when it kind of all started. Um, so I don't know if you wanna take us take us way back when.
2: Sure, man. Yeah, it's actually uh, uh interesting that you brought that up. I was I was writing about it the other day. Um oh, cool. I, all right. I kinda my first musical kind of memories and associations are with Being at family events and parties at my grandparents' house specifically, and my um, aunts and uncles were really, you know, they're very musically talented. Uh, My uncle majored in voice in college, and my aunt, I think, majored in voice? Uh, I'm not sure, but they, you know, they were good. And my grandfather would play um, an Irish tin whistle, and then one of them would play piano, and they'd play... All kinds of traditional Irish folk songs, uh, some pop songs, and some like you know, your typical church songs, and like the, the shit that you learn on on piano. And I just remember being yeah. so happy when that happened. It was just like the best thing ever. And we used to go to Irish music festivals when I was really young, um, and those were just some of the like happiest and most exciting uh, experiences. So I think I associated music with that, and always wanted to be able to create that kind of joy or create that kind of uh, interconnectedness. I guess. And it's just fucking awesome. Like, you, feel, you hear a bunch of drums going and you start, you know, you can feel it inside. Yeah. It's like some people are addicted to, like, I don't know, mountain biking or whatever. Anything that gets you uh, feeling really alive and get your brain moving really fast. And I always found sure. that music did that for me. And uh, then after that, it kind of turned into listening to a lot of the radio and uh, the car when my parents were driving. You know, they'd be like, okay, soft what, rock so what, what kind of stuff? You know, they listen to, my dad would listen to a classic rock station. And I have no idea how the radio stations are in the UK. Actually, that's not true. I have a great idea because I love listening to the radio in the UK. I love <laughs> to BBC radio. And right. I remember the first time that we got there, as soon as we got there, the, the the subtle cultural differences and those little snippets that you'd glimpse into British culture that I would hear yeah. on the radio while we were driving around the van. So good. Uh, I just loved it so much. Just like the dry humor and kind of like... Even just a commercial just sounds so proper because if, in the States, if somebody wants to market us a certain way with a commercial, they'll use a British uh, person to, to, you know, sell you the product <laughs> or whatever because it adds a tone of right, sophistication right. and luxury to it. Or like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty, yeah, it's fucking great. But here there's a, like dozens and dozens of private stations, each with their own theme. These days, they're all kind of owned by the same Four or five companies, or the same one or two companies, and Clear Channel owns a, a majority stake in most of the air, things on the airwaves after it's been deregulated. That's definitely a different podcast. But we had one that was a, a classic rock. So it would be mostly, they had uh, to, every Tuesday they would play Led Zeppelin for like an hour, that kind of station. So I remember listening to that with my dad, and it'd be a lot of like Bob Seeger, that kind of stuff. My mom only listens to a radio station called Magic 93 in Scranton, which was a it wasn't quite easy listening, but it was soft rock pop hits from 1985 to, I don't know, 1995 or whenever it was that we were listening to it. So a lot of like, and the only CDs that my parents had in the house were all tapes, I guess, back then, was Genesis, Billy Joel, and the Eagles. And then this guy, Harry Chapin. So that was, uh, that was uh, the first exposure to kind of like pop music and rock and roll music.
1: Okay, so like, so when did you start getting into something sort of on your own volition? Um, like you know, in fifth grade or fourth wouldn't... grade. Okay.
2: Yeah, so I was probably in fourth grade. We started playing violin at school, so they would they... all the kids all right. took a music literacy test. Which I don't know if any of the kids are musically literate because, come to think of it, like you just took this test and then they picked you for. Violin or chorus, so they split. Yeah, if you scored higher on the test, they went you to violin. Probably had something to do with like the custody of the violin and all that. Um, all right. But yeah, we, we played that, and I remember there had this um, s- district-wide arts competition within the public school system in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And you write a song, submit it. If you win, you get to go to a dinner and get ice cream. So I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm entering this." And I entered in a song and uh, recorded it onto a tape on my grandparents' digital keyboard and then it um it got an honorable mention so we got to go to the dinner That's that's pretty great but that's the first time i remember going into my getting into my own area and being like yeah i can make you know kind of like dumb songs and by yeah. meaning dumb i mean just like no expectation of where the melody ends up so you can like walk around the house and make up something that's and that's kind of just i remember feeling that and knowing that and just kind of that coming kind of naturally
0: Cool. So, so when did you start to kind of get into, into into bands? Was it kind of your high school years, like teen, teenage years? or
2: Yeah, it was like uh, early teenagers, like maybe 12 was when I started to uh, play guitar, I think, or maybe 13. And we had a neighbor who had an older brother, or my best friend growing up, Nick, his older brother, Jody, played in a band in their basement. It was like a, a Green Day cover band. And I just remember hearing how loud it was and just being like, oh, yeah, this is this is for me for sure. And that was, uh, led to that whole thing of trying to find instruments on, uh, well, I guess that's a lie. It definitely wasn't on Craigslist. I remember just like reaching out to family members and trying to find, oh, there's a paper shop. It was a paper classified ad that people sold things on that you would get at a corner store. And it just covered all of northeastern Pennsylvania. I remember grabbing one of those and looking around getting a guitar and kind of just really making a lot of noise and uh not being very good taking some lessons and kind of getting bored with that but yeah that was when i first started to like run into other people at school that had just seemed to be into the kind of same thing and then we would just all hang out and, and make songs
1: okay and what what kind of bands were you discovering at this time like listening wise
2: so the first angry music that i i heard was on the radio it was like corn and limp biscuit yeah, kind of right. new metal music so that was, I was yeah 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 really into that not from a mu- music standpoint, which um, it's funny. I never really thought about how the instrumentation of all that stuff even when I haven't listened to it in so long. I wonder what. I wonder if it was you know what what they were doing. If they were just kind of playing those seven string detuned like bar chords. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I that, that first started getting into uh, Green Day and Blink One Eight Two type of bands because of my friend's older brother. And then there was a scene in Scranton, uh, which is really like kind of kind of crust punk. Um, street punk kind of vibe so we would go to these shows mm. and look at the jackets that uh, the older kids were wearing and then try to go and get those records of the bands that were listed so like the Descendants were some of the first ones um, awesome. Operation Ivy was the first band that I uh, completely alternative band like underground band that I really yeah. just completely fell in love with and listened to that uh, CD until it, was, until it was scratched and then bought it again so that kind of music <laughs> really just, just drove it home for me
1: okay okay
0: Cool. So, so when did it, when did it kind of you know the whole band thing really start to become um, kind of more serious part of your world in terms of making a living? I guess
2: to that uh, I guess so. The first time that I the last time that I needed to get a job uh, besides the band was in two thousand twelve. So that was um, you know seven years ago. That was a year that we did a bunch of tours with the Bouncing Souls and we just kept on touring. Oh, yeah. But before that, much before that, when we started the band or, or in high school, before that, we decided. That this is what we were gonna do. So we, uh, it was extremely fortunate after, especially after seeing how so many other bands operate and realizing that they didn't have this part that we had, and that was that we were all on the same page. So we decided, hey, we're gonna do this for a living. So yeah, does it doesn't make se- like you know, you don't miss a show, you don't miss a practice, you don't um, make decisions that are gonna get in the yeah. way of the goal. So we, we were really fortunate in the fact that we everybody was on board for that. Uh, we were able to work together, and we get—I mean, I mean—we get along amazingly. But that was that was way back then. We kind of just decided that that's what we were going to do, um, and it was really hairy for a couple of years, and it sucked. And then we moved to Philadelphia in 2008 to be, um, you know, really focused on it, so that we could be around other bands and play okay. shows all the time. And that was the—we uh, moved in, in like July, and then in October was the global housing crisis and market crash (laughs) so we ended up moving at at the worst and the best time it was the worst because we couldn't nobody could we could not get jobs um i mean there wasn't any money but it was the best because all these alternative venues started to pop up all over the city um because there was no you know it was too expensive to play at a bar it was too expensive to do do those kind of things so i think it was like a um you know it was a, a very fortunate and unfortunate kind of mix of things that came together Really so had
1: you had you already recorded like a couple of demos before before you all moved out to Philadelphia? Yeah, totally. Or, I guess I skipped a of, couple yeah. years there. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, in high school. Uh, yeah.
2: Great. We got a I We used to have a. Uh, um, I had a, a tape four track in high school, and then that yeah. broke. And I had one of the first Zoom uh, digital four tracks that I can remember. That was like a. It we only had one input for like some just some nerd talk. It had one input. You know, you had your one preamp, but it had a couple of digital effects built into it, which was really awesome. But I'd just sit in my room and make music with it.
1: Yeah. So
2: I would record the drums from a keyboard, that kind of stuff, and then we started to play in bands. And I remember uh going to the studio for the first time, I drove past the studio and then went in and was like, Hey, can my band record here? And the guy was like, I guess so, you know, there's like they didn't have a website or, or you know, cell phones and that shit. So he went into this guy. He's like, "Boys, I got two rules for you: no weed, no Coronas." And we were like, "Okay, that's easy because we're 15. So, Um, (laughs) but he's a real—he was kind of a weird guy, but a really good guy named Cliff. And we went in there and we kind of learned a bit about recording. But we self-funded that, and then we um, there was uh, a—we just you know made copies of the CD ourselves, designed the artwork ourselves, and went to the Staples or Office Max or whatever it was, and. Made copies of that shit and then just really started to circulate demos around
1: okay and then it was uh obviously eventually it led to the the ep in 09 and that was uh red scare and did you like did you you met toe like toby who runs red scare did you meet him down at fest originally is that how that came about
2: yeah we met him down at fest we um we were really excited because we found out this guy from Red Scare that uh, we really fucking loved their music that they put on that label, and, and Brendan Kelly yeah. were gonna come see us, and they did come see us. And then we got really drunk with them afterwards. Uh, in fact, Matt from Band Look Mexico was with us, and we were saying that he was another right. member of our band. And so because we knew that Toby was putting the card down and buying all the drinks, so we got really drunk. I believe <laughs> he got he got too drunk and had to get li- left in an ambulance. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what that's what happened. I love how subjective a lot of these these stories can get, especially with how much, with how much you are drinking. I mean, any story at fest is going to be like that. But yeah, we we talked to Toby, and I remember calling my mom the next morning and being like, "Hey, this label guy came, and we're I'm in Florida, and he's going to sign us, and it's going to be fucking sick." Yeah. And uh, yeah, and long story short, I guess that's that is basically what happened, and all the whole thing didn't end up being how we thought it was going to be, but it, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was incredible. And that led to our EP. We actually did have a demo uh, slash EP that we put out ourselves before that. Uh, and actually, we had a record that came out before that on Go-Kart yeah, Records. On,
1: yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, so that uh, demo
2: that we recorded our, uh, ourselves, and then we recorded with this guy B.O.B. in his basement in um, We that got put on a message board by this guy Justin August. He used to work at Punk News dot uh, org and he ended up be- being and staying a good friend I was actually uh, texting him yesterday um but he took that and sent it to greg ross from go-kart records and greg ross took us out to where well, we we're still living in scranton took had us drive up to meet him in syracuse at a supermarket and he showed up in like cut off sweatpants and like a busted t-shirt And it turns out his luggage was lost and he was visiting his parents. So we just, we met this guy who looked like George Costanza and was real nice to us (laughs) at a, at a Wegmans, which is is a restaurant chain here. And we ate a piece of pizza and then next thing we know, we had a, a a contract. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Then we went to with Jesse Cannon in Union City, New Jersey, and we weren't old enough to drink. So we would get one of the engineers to buy us uh, booze at nighttime and recorded that first full length. And then that was, uh, that's kind of what took off.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize you guys were still that young at that age. I guess just because you know I've thought of you being around for so long. But um, yeah, oh, that's cool. Uh, so, so was did you do some impressive tours at that point, or was it more sort of once Red Scare came about that things started to kick off like touring wise, like with the full countrywide tours and stuff? Like what happened
2: there? Yeah, that was when uh, it started to really take off for touring wise before okay. two thousand and. Uh... Let Before 2009 uh, or yeah. early 2010, we, we had people going to school, and we weren't we didn't have enough money for the transportation to get uh, uh, to do big full tours. And I mean, the West Coast of the U.S. is about you know that's it's just so far away that it's kind of, of unfathomable course. to just drive out there, and there's nothing in between, so you kind of have to um, rely on whatever to get out there. So we didn't really start doing that until 2009, 2010. Before that, we just played shows regionally which was really fortunate uh, for us to live in Philadelphia because it's so close to New York City, Boston, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Pittsburgh, all all these major American cities uh, in great punk scenes and alternative scenes were really close. So we would play a show in our city and then trade with a band in their city and play there. And then, you know, you could drive to New York, play a show and get home on a weeknight, you know great
1: yeah 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 sure so you're getting known in all these scenes so that, so the first like full us tour was, was that the one with broadway calls
2: it was that's amazing that you know that i was going to bring that up in 2010 broadway calls uh had us out to the west coast and that was our first nice. experience of the kind of west coast more hardcore scene that was going on at the time okay um okay. and it was like a great it was amazing it was the big they were the biggest diy shows that we had ever seen and even by today's wow. standards you have a couple hundred kids in a, a diy space that's you know a lot can go wrong with a couple hundred kids involved yeah. in a place that doesn't have you know facilities and infrastructure and all that shit um you sound like an old man but it's, yeah <laughs> that's true but yeah we to get out there we we drove and we just you know we didn't have i don't think we had anyone had a smartphone maybe somebody had a smartphone but yeah to get out there we just printed out directions we had a map i think we might have had a gps and we just gave ourselves four or five days to bomb out to the west coast and i, I would say nostalgically that, that was probably one of the greatest times well i mean it definitely was one of the greatest times if not the greatest time of my life so far we stopped oh, at wow. uh okay. mount it's rushmore diamond. yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah it's crazy we stopped at uh in the middle of nowhere in. Um, Wyoming, and then went to Yellowstone, and realized that no one knew where we were, and it was just us on our own, like sleeping in the van in a park. It was, uh, it, was it was, it was pretty fucking crazy.
1: Oh, good memories then. So, so presumably you went down pretty well with the crowds on that tour, did you?
2: Yeah, it went over really well. Um, it was amazing, actually. Our Broadway calls awesome. treated us really well, and their fans were were, were awesome. And they're actually uh, signed a Red Scare now, I believe.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah, I, I, <laughs> I remember post. I, I, post for dine scene sometimes i posted about that a couple of months ago i remember thinking probably cause fuck yes it's been ages for them so they have so many good songs as well that that, their songs are so
2: goddamn good man they're they're incredible yeah
1: what's your favorite album of theirs
2: um probably the one with the van on the front of it um oh what
1: back to oregon and and stuff yeah back to to oregon yeah
2: yeah Yeah. i would say that but at the same time um uh what's it called uh good views bad news is uh, uh, uh i think the one i was thinking of but comfort and distraction think, yeah, is pretty yeah. damn good
1: too yeah 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 they just consistently write good songs
2: yeah but the the one that came out uh, around that time that good good views bad news was uh the one that you know I'll forever have that nostalgic connection to because they played all those songs on sure. uh, on that sure. tour and shit so it's the fucking best yeah
0: I, I I guess since Broadway Calls though you've gone on and uh, gone on and do some you went on to do some pretty big big tours after that as well, right? So you you toured with Anti Flag quite early on and against me, is that right?
2: Yeah, I toured with Anti Flag early on. I uh, toured with against me, which was with Dead to Me. So that was
1: oh, Dead to Me, such too, a nice.
2: great fucking tour. Yeah, that was right before uh, White Crosses came out, and they were playing a lot of the songs from White Crosses on the tour, and they had another guy doing the layered songs and shit like that, which I still think is is is. Might be my favorite Against Me record. Um, it's definitely, I think, they're most underrated for whatever that's worth. Uh, I, I fucking love those songs so much, and I think they're damn good. But yeah, that tour was amazing, and we got to be really close friends with Dead to Me, um, which, you know, we've maintained that friendship too, so it's been... There's a couple real good ones. We did some... some. I mean, looking back on it, we've done so many tours, but, but after that, some of the biggest ones that we did were uh, a Rise Against Arena tour, which was... Um, absurd and beautiful um and more recently last year we played a bunch of what they call sheds i guess like outdoor amphitheaters with the offspring and sublime with rome Oh wow! which uh yeah P- those those kind of those two tours that we did are, are so fun for us because we get to you know the shows aren't very good now, the rise against one some of the shows are, were pretty good but nobody you know of nine thousand people in the audience nobody knew us mm. but uh with such a large yeah. production it's easy for us to just kind of get lost in it and, and really just do our own thing you get to the place you drive a van and trailer into uh, a stadium and then you get to run around like our dressing rooms were the visiting teams locker rooms for some of these bigger places <laughs> oh, wow yeah yeah it was yeah. it was cool and uh, they say you know like an army marches on its stomach or whatever and they're, they're not lying in that uh kind of tourist mm-hmm. cap- capacity and that the catering is amazing you know you're just eating great food and and, and yeah. running around like a maniac it was
0: so fun. Well, I mean, was there a, a defining point for you guys where you kind of uh, kind of realized that you kicked on to the next level from those early days? I mean, was there, you know, a particular tour or or record where you really think that right? Well, this has actually become come a real big thing now.
2: Yeah, abs- absolutely. We love to uh, uh, romanticize some of those milestones as well. One of the, the biggest ones was flying together to the West Coast to meet up with Epitaph. So they, you know, they bought us plane tickets and I think some of us had not been on a plane ever in their entire life. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was the first time I ever flew to the, it was like the longest flight I was ever on. Um, yeah. And they flew us out there and put us up in a hotel that was next to a diner that's in like a bunch of movies and stuff and they shoot movies at the okay. hotel and it was all within in walking distance of um, that big street in Hollywood where the Chinese theater is and all that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we went to Epitaph, we got there, and they had a cookout for us. And we just sat there and smoked cigars with Brett Gerwitz and drank beer while he just told us amazing stories about the founding of Epitaph and some of our favorite bands and some of the shit they used to get into. And it was just, you know, wildly surreal. And also we realized, hey, we're like, it's like the movies. It's like that thing you do, you know, they flew us to the West Coast. And uh, we're like this hotshot rock and roll band. A dude with, had our name on a placard when we got off the plane, you know, that kind of shit. And he like picked us up in a giant black SUV. <laughs> that was one of the, the, the uh, biggest milestones where we kind of looked around. And we were like, oh, yeah,
0: this is we made it for sure. And yeah, uh, was there a deal on the table after that meeting then or?
2: Oh yeah. Uh d- yeah, totally. I mean, we didn't they didn't even have to do the meeting. They don't even know that, but we would have just we would have just signed that show without <laughs> reading it probably, especially at that point. But yeah. yeah so you guys was, still
1: uh, you st- still with them, right?
2: Yeah, we uh we so we had yeah, one contract with them, and then it we the last record that we put out was the last record that we were bound contractually to put out, so we signed another contract with them. So we're just going to keep it rolling.
1: Nice. And the fir- was the first album with them, um, The Impossible Past.
2: It was, yeah. So we did On the Impossible Past, Rented World, and After the Party were the records that we did uh the first round with Epitaph.
1: Got it, got it. Um that so that first record with them, that was that was kind of like a big thing for you guys because that I, I feel like for as a fan, that's like when the certainly the all you know, punk news, absolute punk all, all those websites, anyone who's into the scene everyone was just talking about that album when it came out. Like, did you, w- when you first released it or like released the previews of it, did, were you kind of conscious of the reception it was getting pretty early on?
2: Yeah, that was a skyrocket of a record for us. Like when we put that out, yeah. um, things changed in that we started to be able to play bigger shows. Uh, lots of, we had to turn down tours, you know, bands would be like, Hey, can you come on tour yeah. with us? I'm going to be like, well, we already, we already have a tour then we can't do it. um, that was when we started to get a like a team of people to work with us. So we have uh, Tom wow. Taff. He might have been before. I could get the the timing wrong, but Tom Taff is our, our booking agent in the UK. And uh, he does the UK and mainland Europe and some other parts of the world. And our booking agent, Phil Badiato, who was working with us before that in the in the U.S., um, was doing all of our tours in the U.S. And our manager, Tim Zahodsky, who is – it's funny. I just texted yeah. – Excuse me. Texted somebody about him this morning. They said they met him for the first time, and I said that I think that he might be the best person that I know. <laughs> and he, <laughs> you know, at that point, we all started to work together to really kind of um, make it all happen. And yeah, the, the, sorry, I deviated away from your question about the the, the reception. Okay. So the way it was received started to it really kind of like made you high. You know, it was like, man, we can't really. Like this is insane. Every review that we've read was a good review. Like people, I think that that was a record where people really started to root for us. And I think that like thinking about how a lot of bands have like um, not necessarily a shtick, but they have like an aesthetic and a vibe and that kind of stuff. And I think that was where we started to form ours together, and 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 not necessarily consciously, but started to realize that we're kind of just like at at that point specifically everybody's band. You know, like people really wanted to root for us because we seemed like them and we seemed like their friends or their cousin's boyfriend or you know whomever but uh people really just yeah. started to be like all right there's these four guys from scranton that put this record out and they really really started to root for it and that felt really good to have um lots of people that listen to music and lots of people that write about music and and, and especially lots of other bands were just really started to root for us and that um i mean most people are going to go their entire lives and not have that kind of uh, a reassurance or backing in anything and, and just um that's the one thing i think that really laid a huge foundation for our band that we're still building on.
1: that and it's nice that you're clearly very conscious of that and aware of it so yeah it's cool um, yeah just that i think that record just resonated with so many people just you know as soon as like the good things kicks in you know like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just There was something cool going on
2: there. And it's funny how we wrote that, too, man. We wrote that in, like... So we wrote a bunch of the songs over a a couple of months. But, like, a huge bulk of it we just wrote in, like, two weeks before we went to the studio at uh, uh, Greg's childhood home in um, in Lake Ariel. His mom went and stayed with a, uh, a family member, and they let us have free range of the house. And my brother... And Greg's brother were, they lived upstairs and like slept upstairs the house and they were doing like a landscaping business. No, they were working for the golf course. <laughs> and, uh, they okay. were, yeah, we just, all six of us just hung out and, you know, went on the back porch, talked about life, got hammered, then went back in and wrote songs. So it was just that all it was
0: explosion. Just on that. I mean, I, I mean, how does, how, how do you guys work then in terms of your writing? Obviously, you know, both you and Greg sing and do you. I mean, is, is it real collaborative collaborative thing where you you come together as a group and and write or is a bit more kind of, you know, each of you brings something to the table and and see how that...
2: It's definitely a combination of both. Like, uh, we'll bring songs to the table um, or chord progressions or a groove or maybe an idea or a couple of lyrics and then we really just try to build it out of there uh, together. Yeah, the four of us. I mean, we'll always send acoustic demos, so there's always like a slew of acoustic demos that um, you can see we actually released something called for on the impossible past. It was called on the possible past, and that was a collection of the demos that we recorded in our kitchen at the time in Philly that we were meant to release as an acoustic album on Red Scare, and then were you and that's what Epitaph heard and decided to sign us, and then those songs, a bunch of them became um, on the impossible past. So we still maintain a bit of that approach in that we'll make demos. Uh, their acoustic versions of songs. Maybe put some like you know uh, effects or keys or something in the background, and then we'll bring them to practice and really try to hammer them out. I would say that on this upcoming record, uh, we didn't reinvent ourselves or any like kind of stretch of the imagination like that. But we started to ask questions that we would never really asked before, and they were along the lines of, "What is a song? Uh, what do we like about a song? Like where? What do we want to do with the song? Like what?" Um, What, when we get stuck in this part of a song, what have some of our favorite musicians done in a song that we can um, use? Like, uh, what, like, do you go to a bridge here, or do you do uh, something rhythmic, or rely on the instrumentation in this part? Or, or, yeah, we kind of, this one is full of more self-examination and, like, asking ourselves a question that you just asked um, than any of the uh, records beforehand, and I I really think it shows. Okay, what,
1: what not to jump around too much but when when did you wrap up this forthcoming album uh has it been sort of sealed for a while like april 13th we finished no that's a lie
2: april 21st we finished yeah
1: okay very specific and then we just waited.
2: yeah i just remember that date in my head being like all right get to this date. get like i love recording it's my favorite part about being a fan but uh with how much we spent working on these songs and how long the winter was i was like all right get this done, get this done. And then I'm going on a uh, vacation to the UK with my friend Roger to play some shows. And then I'm just going to oh, yeah, glide yeah. into the next album cycle. <laughs> but Yeah. We wrapped it up a little while ago and we waited on the mixes and the mastering not too long. And
0: now we're just, you know, today was the first day that we shared it with the world. Cool, man. Yeah. I look forward to hearing, hearing the full album. But yeah, I, I did notice you've dropped um, I dropped a show in for well, a UK tour in for, is it February next year?
2: Yeah, it's funny enough, I, I actually didn't realize that we were announcing that today. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of
2: uh, been out of it for a week or two and was like, oh, shit, okay.
0: You're coming to Newcastle this time as well, which is good news because uh, I think you don't you, you don't always get that on your list. So, I'll be, uh, yeah, pleased, yeah, pleased to see you down here.
2: Yeah, I've only played twice. Uh, the first time was in a next, it felt like I was in a Weatherspoons. It wasn't in a Weatherspoons, but might as well have been. <laughs> And uh, we I remember going out to a dance club with a bunch of the British guys that we were with from Leagues Apart and Kieran Kelly and James Hall was there. And oh, yeah, it was my course. first like mega British nightclub-ish college kid experience. And it was so funny. And Lots of, lots of punch-ups, <laughs> which were, were really funny and like <laughs> polite kind of in a sense. And I, mean, I kind of like went back and forth and then just had, like a proper fisticuff stance. And uh, yeah, we ended up sleeping in the van and it was just a, it was a wild night the first time when I was in Newcastle. And the other time we went, I actually, there was like a row, a street somewhere that was full of antique shops. And uh, I went and checked a bunch of those out and it was, it was awesome. I really had a good time.
0: Cool. So, so I guess you, I mean, your affiliation with the UK kind of picked up quite a bit of steam, right? Early on. And uh, I mean, how, how, how is that for you guys? I mean, what, what would you think? Oh, I love was, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's great. The yeah, first time we went, went come, over, yeah. we
0: just tweeted some,
2: uh, 2011, uh, okay. it might've been 2010, but I think it was 2011. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. We just tweeted based, we just used social media to link up with somebody. In this case, it was, uh, Kieran Kelly and we met up with, we were like, Hey, if somebody drives us and wants to do the tour with us, we'll book the shows kind of deal. Um, like a collaborative kind of thing. So we got picked up by those guys at the airport and we just drove around the island for, um, you know, 10 days or so. And it was so good. It was like, uh, got to go somewhere that I might not necessarily would ever go to. nowhere My family had ever gone, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing.
1: And oh, so you hadn't to... been here full stop then?
2: No. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Greg had gone there before and maybe, no, yeah, just Greg, Greg had gone on like a college trip kind of thing, uh, or post high school kind of trip. Which is funny because he went right when the, the dollar was its weakest and the pound was the strongest. So it was like two fifty oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> per pound. But uh, I always laugh at joke. But yeah, we went and we spent time with some friends that we just never, you know, we're still very close friends with today. And we met so many people. It was kind of another situation where it was the perfect place at the perfect time. And that would really change yeah. me because it re- made me realize that there's so much more that we could see with the band and so many more people to reach, you know, is, uh, definitely just amazing. So cool.
1: Was there anywhere in particular in the UK that stood out for you or has stood out for you over the years, or is it just, or is that a bit difficult to answer?
2: Yeah. I mean, London is always a a great place and great shows. It's like a New York or an LA Mm -hmm. or a Philly for us. Um, I think that we've really grown, uh, to have a, a deep affinity for, um, Manchester, which is where a lot of people were based, that really helped us out in the beginning. A lot of people went to school there that we know that kind of that's where their home base is. So we spent so much time playing amazing shows there. And funny enough, one of my favorite places in the US is Macclesfield, which is a place. Really? uh, Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Love it, man. Our um, front house engineer, Dave March, lives in Macclesfield. So we've actually spent quite a a bit of time there. And I just love being in an English you know city to see what it's like to live you know it's like for me it's i'm going to use it as the um the culmination of what it would be like to live in your regular british city i'm sure it's you know it's definitely different than everywhere and there's all kinds of different cultures and nuances all over the island especially you can hear it in people's fucking accent you could be 20 (laughs) miles away from somebody and they speak differently than somebody who's from 20 miles (laughs) to the other way that's wild (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so being there and just having to spend some regular time in in Macclesfield is is great to just kind of, um, you know, go shopping at a grocery store and then go to uh, the pub and kind of just hang out with the builders and shit. It's like, um, yeah, I really, really enjoy it. And also Scotland. We've always had a, a huge love for Scotland and been received really well there. And it's just a... I don't know if it's just because of the way that Scotland's portrayed in American culture, or the you know the explosion yeah. of awesome indie bands that's come out of there in the last uh, ten years or so. But we've always just it, it, there's like something deeply romantic about Scotland. That
0: um, nice, you said great. It sounded like you had some, maybe some, some Irish heritage as well, right? Uh, if, or, yeah, or, 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 yeah, or yeah. It's so. funny, like the the hyphenated
2: Americanism is like a, a thing for sure for us with a, a, a country that's so new. You know, three hundred years of of um, of like western european history in america at least and there's so many people in the states that you kind of are like oh well i'm uh irish american you know i'm uh, a yeah, yeah. polish american mexican american like anything that you can think of that, that draws back to a culture of a people that came from from another place and when i grew up i just thought everybody was irish in america because i grew up in a, an irish you know place of an irish city but um scranton was built and occupied by a lot of people who worked in the mines starting in the late 1800s and then out through the first half of the 20th century so there's like a, a rich um kind of like not segregated but like there's there's pockets in the city of um strong ties to various places in europe so there's like polish people uh italian people irish people and that's reflected in them. Um church culture and the festival culture and the restaurant culture, and I kind of um yeah, for me, growing up the the connection to the Irish heritage was uh, extremely strong for me, it was something that really brought our family together. and we had kids come and live with us every summer from Belfast uh, mm-hmm. during the um the orange marches and the kind of shit that went out yeah. in July. They would come and yeah, live yeah. with us to get out get out of the neighborhood. so there was always, and we have a couple of ants and stuff that, that that are Irish, so it was kind of something that we always identified with and, and held close to.
0: So do, do you get out there on your, on your UK runs now or do you get out like Belfast and Dublin or
2: Yeah, we don't do it enough cuz the uh, ferry is a pain in the ass while we're there. Um and we don't, you know, we don't draw a huge amount of people there so it's kind of tough to pull it off like with money and logistics and and all that shit. But the last time that we played in Belfast was also the first time that we played in Belfast and it was amazing. Um I went over there yeah. in 2013, I think or 14 and again I just tweeted and was like, "Hey, is anybody I uh, live in Belfast. I want to go see some of the kids that were with us. I want to meet some friends and stuff. So I went over there by myself, and I met um, some incredible people, Kevin Jones and Mikey and all those guys um, uh, and and Eric. And it was just such a great time. We got down to, Bel- uh, to Dublin. But, yeah, we spent, played a couple shows in Dublin. The first time we played in Dublin, it was pretty – it was insane. It was at a place called Fibber McGee's. And uh, it was almost like at midnight, you know, to to ham on the stereotype of the Irish, but it was almost like midnight, everybody just turned into a gremlin and then place just turned into a complete, like (laughs) insane chaos. There's like fights, people, I was the first and and I think only time that I ever saw a bouncer bounce somebody like they do in a cartoon where they grab them by the shirt and grab them by the belt and then threw them out the door. Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's wild. But uh, that aside, it's just, it's just so fun to be there. And it's, it's like you know, it's a conflicting thing and it's kind of bizarre to have like such a connection to, uh, to identify so hard as an Irish American, but you're not really Irish and you know, you're certainly American. So it's kind of like almost like Irish Americanism has taken on its own kind of uh, overly romanticized and oh, yeah, for whatever for it's sure. worth, you know, kind of course on its own and not to say it's not a thing. I mean, more people who are Irish live outside of Ireland than, than, than live in Ireland, you know, because so, I
1: mean, so many people moved away. Yeah, But yeah,
2: the whole thing was just a really, I don't know, fascinating thing.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing Flogging Molly playing in Seattle once, and then, um, what was his face, Dave, Dave King, is that his name? And he was just like, is anyone here Irish tonight? And like, basically the whole crowd cheered, and I was thinking, well, you know, American Irish, I, I'm guessing most of you are.
2: Uh, yeah, sure, and that's <laughs> it's funny to think that too, because you're like, well, you're not really Irish, but then yeah. the way I look at it is if you brought up, thinking that and you brought up being that and uh that was like your connection and you went and you know saint patrick's day was the biggest fucking holiday uh ever <laughs> at our house and i'm sure it's not you know it, it's probably it's definitely probably bigger and i know that the parades are bigger in the united states just by the sheer volume uh but yeah, that's just like a really funny thing to realize that you know the people in Ireland t- don't behave the same way, yeah, in the we, same culture. We, we
0: actually celebrate St Patrick's Day in England more than we do St George's Day, which is obviously English, the England yeah. English patron <laughs> saint day. But yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I believe uh, that I mean St Patrick's Day is just more fun, and what a you know it's kind of like a in the states it's definitely an issue for people to to, to get together and get drunk, uh, and for you know places to just behave outrageously. But you know I
0: have nothing against it. Yeah, anywhere, anywhere else in Europe that that stands out for you outside of the kind of the UK.
2: Yeah, that's that's tough because everywhere. <laughs> uh, for us, when we first started going over, Germany was uh, the first place that really received us in the mainland, and it's still the place where we have the strongest shows and the oldest friends. And that was like, oh man, that was the first place that we went to where you know, you know, English was not spoken. I mean, the, the Germans are really good as a whole, at least the people that we run into yeah. are really good at speaking English and all the Germans always want to practice their English. So they're like super stoked. Even the people that aren't involved in music that you run into right. at the bar, are like, you know, they're ripping, excited to practice their English. But yeah. The Germany. Yeah. Just seeing the history of, uh, we're kind of a bit of history buffs and we're really, especially in a, a kind of um, 20th century history and the cold war and some of those facets of, uh, you know, like, um, American internationalism that, and how complicated mm-hmm. and fucked up it is, but the the history in Germany is so tied to the Cold War and so tied to our area with so many members in the military that were stationed in Germany and it's like so many people in Pennsylvania actually you talk about a hyphenated Americanism and Irish Americans uh, Pennsylvania the largest um, uh, heritage group is actually German. Uh, it's weird. I was just read my book uh, yesterday. This like weird history of Philadelphia. I got that I think oh, there's yeah. something like three hundred thousand people in Philadelphia in the nineteen thirties were actually born in Germany. So there's just oh, wow. s- such a such a thing. But they just assimilated right into the culture. It's real fascinating. So there's not like you know German language shit around. There's not like German flags or anything like. Wrong. Well, it could probably have something to do with the whole the the, the little conflict we'll call it. But, uh, the yeah, being there just was so fascinating to go to each town and see these different ties together and see actual um, remnants of World War II and just to, to meet the people. And they're, like, they're even more culturally different than the British in that we always call it the German compliment. You roll in and somebody's like, yeah, you know, your songs, the first two were good, but the rest of your set, it was shit. And you're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always love that. It's like, uh, just, you know, that, that, that drive for efficiency and, uh, and, and even just like the architecture and design of, of being in Germany, there's just, like that little bit of like fluid kind of, um, uh, beauty to it that I really just, it's really great to be there. I can't wait to go back this time.
1: Um, so yeah, just want to just quickly go through, um, the, the you know, kind of the rest of your history with epitaph and I'll lead it into a see so ask you a bit more about the new record so you had obviously the next two as, as part of that first contract those those next two albums like did w- was there more money going into those or was it all a, a similar kind of setup and did you approach them in different ways because i think i really feel like rented world in particular like really uh like sounded like you guys were experimenting a little bit with like some of the slower songs and stuff it's a good effect, sure. I think. But,
2: yeah. yeah, totally. Thanks, man. Yeah, so the way that the contract uh, and the contracts typically work is you sign for X amount of records, and then each record yeah. after that has an increase of what's called the advance, So, um, and it'll be based off of the sales of the previous record. So there'll be a window, say, like, I don't even know, 20000 to $150,000 that you'll get based off of the amount of sales of the previous record um and we you know like or whatever the number is for, for for a record contract um we so we did have more money to put into it which we did and didn't i guess we uh, uh so we we definitely um got we get, so i'll just talk about Random world i guess after uh, the impossible past. so for that record we mm-hmm. recorded it in philadelphia and it was the first time that we recorded an lp in philadelphia uh it's actually the only time we recorded an lp in the within the city limits so we okay. went and uh we had a practice space up north in castor avon philly that was full of metal bands and full of other bands and we got in this small room and we just hammered the songs over and over and over again and it was uh a little bit more it was a little bit less comfortable than than uh, the situation we were in prior but it really it got us to we got really good at the songs uh so we were really prepared when we went into the studio and that time yeah we did experiment yeah. a little bit more we were bought a couple of new guitar pedals and we really wanted to kind of um see what we could do outside of like the downstrokey punk stuff that we had in the past so we thought that we yeah. could uh, not thought but what we wanted to do was kind of expand outward in a little bit we didn't want to intentionally make a much darker record or, or anything like that but we went and recorded with john lowe at minor street and we did the yeah. drums and bass life which was something that we haven't done um, before that. which So that was like a challenge and it was also it kept us on our toes and it also brought in a dynamic to the recording of experimentation in the studio. So usually we would kind of just go in and re-record our demos and add some tricks and shit like that in the background. This time we went in and, and did a little bit more of like well this guitar line could sound better with this effect and with that kind of shit like that. And then yeah I put that out and then the third record uh, after the party we Went and met up with Will in Conshohocken, which is uh, just right outside the city. Will grew up here. He's like one of the most Philly people that I know. Uh, I love that guy. So I could talk about Will for another hour if you want. But we went and we met him in the studio. And after that decided, within meeting him of like 20 minutes, I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to record with this guy next because uh, um, he, you know, the, the amount of focus and his just level of excitement was so big. So th- this time for after the party, we went in same way with our demos with the that we recorded we went in and recorded them but this time we sat and we looked at each song and we started to chop it and fly parts around and be like no well, what if we wrote a bridge for here and then we'd go back into the room and we would write a bridge so it was uh that kind of uh, uh more focused in, uh, approach really kind of brought mm-hmm. us to another level with the with the records and i think that we should get better as the years go gone i mean we're only practicing more and more and more hopefully we'd be able to get better at our instruments and challenge ourselves a little bit. And that's uh that's that's where we're left off. We kinda just took a continuation of that for the next record.
1: Okay. Who's the next record with or if you not announced that yet?
2: Uh I don't know if we announced it yet, but we I mean, yeah, we recorded it. actually we took pictures in there and shit, so we totally announced it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh we oh, okay. <laughs> recorded with willie Yip again at Studio Four. Oh again.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you clearly had a good time with him last time. Oh yeah, the best I mean, time. He, he, yeah. I um, mean he's you know he's recorded with some some pretty big artists and stuff so like you know like his range must be must be quite good given the different genres he's dipped in and out of just from from the little bit i know about him oh yeah he's the fucking best
0: and there's there's a new song on that record called london drugs right there is yeah what's what's that all about are you gonna gonna (laughs) hold that back until we i'm
2: yeah, I'm gonna let you hear it.
0: <laughs> are you gonna okay. Are you gonna release? Are you gonna release any <laughs> any more singles in the build up to October release? Yeah, or? definitely. Yeah,
2: yeah for sure. F- we have uh, we have some some actually kind of really fun special stuff planned for those that I'm really excited about. That. um, yeah, I don't want to get it. I get I don't want to get into it just because I don't want to ruin this price, But I'm, I'm actually really <laughs> really stoked for some of the stuff that we got going on.
1: Okay. Really fair, fair.
0: Cool. We're looking forward to it. Well, um, what we you... Sh- what we usually do is we have a little quick fire round we do with with some of our guests, so we'll uh, we'll rattle through that. Oh um, yeah, love it. Uh, and we can let you be on your way and, and enjoy the, the last bit of your time up before you you get out on the road. Um,
2: Fuck yeah, man! Thanks,
0: Chris. Do you want to go with
1: the first question? So the first first question is playing in the band or solo show?
0: Oh, playing in the band
2: for sure. <laughs> is that what the question was i had to choose between one or the yeah, other yeah sorry sorry oh, yeah, 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 yeah cool cool, yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool
1: cool we should have made that clear <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. I, I guess chris make might... naked
0: the other way man so <laughs> have you have you done quite a bit of the solo stuff then is it just a kind of bit little bit of a thing you do on the side and fill, fill, yeah, your, mo- fill your time when you're at home or
2: yeah it's mostly i'd say most of the time we do it for um kind of favors to friends uh Charity events, that kind of shit, and the the um the one that I did with Roger, I really wanted to try, uh, to, to to push myself to get more comfortable with um speaking publicly. The it's funny because I could play in a band in front of you know nine thousand people or even more at some of these festivals, and I have no problem like screaming something or getting really excited about it. But just articulating myself in public, it, that's like as to most people, it's a kind of a, a horrifying experience to try to captivate somebody or maintain their interest or be articulate. And I thought that, uh, and it really was a good time to do that with Roger it was uh, just a really fun kind of um, a- and challenging emotionally and intellectually and I just really was was happy to do that
0: cool okay uh, the next question is the uh, bouncing souls or anti-flag oh man you can't be asking me a question like that I'm going uh, to pass
2: I, can't, I don't okay. know if I can really pick one not just because they're both uh, my friends but they both hold uh, very similar <laughs> and very different um, p- places in my heart Cool. Okay, we're fair. probably going to
0: get a bit I'm, harder for you this isn't it yeah
1: i'm gu- i'm guessing this next i'm guessing this next one might be a pass as well but i'm going to fire it at you anyway uh so next one's apologies i have none or great cynics
2: oh man you you can't <laughs> be doing this to me These are my yeah. friends we got here we're, we're going to have to uh, restrict your all passes like this. yeah yeah i will i will say i've i've been listening to uh pharmacy a bunch recently by apologies i uh, have yeah Good Although writer, I fucking love writing. Great Cynics and I love Giles Bitter <laughs> uh, as a songwriter and as a friend,
0: <laughs> nice. he's
1: a lovely man. He is a lovely. Yeah, he's man. the best. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking on, best.
0: Okay, you should be able to answer this one anyway, um, without without offending anyone. Um, it's sure? it's East Coast or West Coast? East Coast.
1: Rented World or After the Party?
2: I'm gonna go with After the Party. I'm hoping that I can always say the most recent record. <laughs> uh, I have got Third Eye Blind or Eve Six third eye blind so eve six did the uh song from the x-files movie so i'll give them that but third eye blind <laughs> is my girlfriend's favorite band It was like the first alternative band that she got into and at first i hated it because she fucking played them all the damn time <laughs> and then uh after getting like listening to it over and over again i really really like it it's been ingrained in you yeah, yeah it's yeah. stuck
1: <laughs> yeah um uh fa- favorite pop punk band
2: uh, it's tough because the different eras, you know. But if I had yeah. to pick one, I guess can I pick Green Day? That's kind of like—is that cheating? Yeah, yeah, that counts. That's all right. All right, cool. That was easy then. Nice. <laughs> uh, f- we got favorite food. Soup.
0: Really? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. And I get to use it as an umbrella too, because you know there's so many different flavors and te- textures <laughs> underneath that. But I gotta say, for sure, soup. Cooking yeah, some right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh favorite tv show uh
2: the wire uh was my favorite tv show all the time followed in, in no particular order by like the sopranos the x-files um sopranos x-files Mad Men, breaking bads yeah those are those are my jams my cool. favorite show that's on right now that i've been watching is on uh, HBO. it's called los spookies
0: and it's hilarious oh i haven't, haven't seen, seen that. that it's made it made its way over here just yet they usually, yeah, sure. usually come a little bit behind. Sure, behind sure. Have uh, uh, we got favorite movie?
2: Uh, Children of Men. It's a movie that oh, came okay. out in, I think, 2008 with uh, Clive
1: yeah. Owen. I think it's a British movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember it. I've, I've never seen it. I know the one you mean, though. Uh, and oh, so good. finally, what's your favorite modern modern UK punk band, which might be another tough one for you, to be fair? Yeah,
2: that is a tough one. Hmm. I guess I would probably have to say. I mean, I have to say, apologies. Uh, I think they're still playing, right? Yeah. Can I use that? Yeah, yeah,
1: they yeah, are. Yeah.
2: yeah. That was my that was my guy. Yeah, I love uh, them so much. We did, we played a lot of shows with them, and we did one mainland tour with them. And uh, besides yeah. being good buds, I really just love their music so much. Yeah, no, that they play played our first London London show that we ever played. Awesome. Oh, really? At Old Blue West, yeah.
1: Oh, Blue Last, nice, nice. This is a yeah. cool venue. Yeah, played there yeah. myself a few times. Yeah, no, they're cool guys. We got a lot of love for them. We've had uh, obviously James and uh, their former singer Dan Bond, came on, who's who's a really cool guy as well. So.
2: Danny, Danny, to me was uh, I love that guy. He's like the quintessential. Oh. He reminds me of the quintessential like British. Uh, not extra but like british character of a world war Two movie <laughs> like an american movie he just has that look to his face his accent right. is like to me not placeable anywhere on the island so it's just like quintessentially british yeah he just uh, that yeah, guy's the yeah. best i like that guy
1: yeah cool super sweet guy yeah yeah, um, yeah I, I guess like we're, we're, we're pretty much there i think um so anything right. else like you'd like to share about the new album or anything or like can we pretty much. No, man, I'm
2: really great. stoked. I will say that I think that uh, one thing I'm just cuz it was on my mind. I'm excited about this new record is that we really tried to challenge ourselves to get the best, well, to write the best. All that shit about writing songs goes unsaid, but if, from a nerd point of view, we tried to get the best tones on this one without hiding behind recording nice. tricks. So it definitely sounds a little bit more live and maybe a little bit less polished than our other records, which is Okay. You, nice. know, you can take it or leave it, but I think um, that's my the part I'm about this record that I'm most stoked to, to hear what people have to say about. Happy days, cool.
0: Yeah, looking forward to hearing it, dude. And yeah, looking forward to seeing in Newcastle in uh, in February. I'm sure Chris, <laughs> well, you'll at man. Chris, oh, yeah. you'll be you'll be at the London show, right?
1: Yeah, I'll look forward to that. Before
0: fantastic, yeah.
2: dude. Thank you guys so much for having me on.
1: No worries. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for giving us your time as well. And um, and I hope, hope this tour with the, with uh, the sidekicks and what was it Queen Jeans uh, is a lot of fun for you guys.
2: Yeah, I'm pumped. Man. It's gonna be amazing. Thanks a lot, dude.
0: Nice one. Cheers, Tom.
2: Hell yeah, cheers. We'll see you guys.
1: And that was our chat with Tom May of the Menzingers. Um, just want to thank him again for his time. Uh, I really enjoyed that one, Nick. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot of activity at the moment with, with those guys. Um, yeah,
1: and it was, it was cool that, that, that it happened. They, they put out that single, uh, Anna, and release and announced the, the forthcoming album, Hello Exile, um, on the day that we did that interview. Yeah. Um. but like it's funny it was like one of those ones like you know I, I really like the men singers so I was pleased we were talking to him but like I'd just come back from holiday that day and like you know when you're just not in the mood for for that kind of, f- to do this kind of thing sometimes And but as soon as we got talking to him I was just like oh this is going to be a good one and uh, yeah, y- yeah really enjoyed it
0: yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him in Newcastle in what well, I think it's February next year as well. So I wonder, yes. I wonder, with these podcasts as guests on the podcast, does that warrant yes. us to tap tap these people up for for guestless places uh, <laughs> it's, uh, upcoming it's, gigs?
1: It's, it's funny you say that um, because I saw Sleeping with Sirens announced the tour and uh, they're, they're coming through London in like sort of mid November. I bet and tickets I like
0: no, I bet a tickets not cheap for 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 one of their shows either.
1: I mean, it's not, it's not outrageous, but it's not cheap. Um, so I did a get a venue, ticket. It right?
0: was well, electric, electric Ballroom.
1: It's Electric Ballroom, which I I thought was, uh, it seems a bit small for them. But, but I just got a ticket because I was like, I, I, could, I don't know if we're at a place with Ketlin Quinn where I could just ask for guest lists. So I just. Well, yeah.
0: as, the, as they say in the Northeast, shy bands getting out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. So yeah, you may as well ask what's the worst that yeah. could happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. true I'll
0: true. reach out to Tom May when we're drawing closer <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> Why not, mate? Why not? is in Newcastle and see how we go
1: <laughs> on. Okay, well, um, so uh, we'll we'll be we're in the process of booking some upcoming guests for the next few. We've got a couple books but we'll be booking some more. Um, in the meantime, as always, like hit us up on social media follow us and subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts Uh, anything you want to add nick
0: no that's it for me mate have a good one all
1: right okay cheers until next time guys thanks bye